0: Wild courage exists to galvanize a generation of men, with the tools and courage to fight for what matters most, and tell the stories that are born in the redemption of lives and souls.
1: Today, I'm sitting down with Johnny Murphy who is a guy that I met last fall. We have some mutual friends and Johnny recently moved to my little valley in Emmett, Idaho. Um, So today we're just going to talk about, um, he's going to tell us his story and it's a pretty fascinating one. So thanks for being here, man.
0: Yeah. Thanks a lot, Jeremy. Stoked to be here, man.
1: Yeah. So I want to just jump right off the bat and tell us (laughs) um, you, were from a very young age into motorcycle racing and, um, did very well in that. So right off the bat, I'm going to put you on the spot and I want to, you to tell us your accolades and all that you've done and <laughs> X games all the way through, uh, it, like junior
0: riding you to know, where it, where it ended up. So it's something to always, always shy away from because sure. it's, a, it's a thing of the past, you know, for me, I've always just moved into what's, what we, what's in front of us now, but, but just, to, I guess to put things in perspective, uh, through everything we had in it from pretty much day one, you know, my dad and I, um, my family dedicated. So we, you know, I don't know, the 13 or there's some teen number, you know, amateur national championships coming through and then, um, and then turned pro early. I was rookie of the year in 1997, um, took me a few years to get kind of rolling at the top level, but I think, um, climbed the ranks and in 2000 two in 2003 i was uh, second in the nation in the ama flat track whatever i think it was at the time it was grand national flat track championship now they call it a american flat aft or whatever but it's a um it's the highest form of, of that type of racing in the world there's sure. no you know there's no other uh, that's the pinnacle of that sport and um so that that kind of and then you know obviously uh, invitations and fun little stuff to the x games uh super moto uh and 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 um I won some championships, some under underling championships like the like the Bush Series type of a thing, you know, right. for NASCAR. We we had our the Hot Shoe Championship in two thousand or two thousand one. So so I don't have a a, a tight resume on hand. I, I honestly have um, kind of not run from that, but just just yeah, I used to race, you know. Yeah, that's good. well, that's, that's the, good the
1: humility of growing older, right? <laughs> Is like sure of looking back at it and like yeah, I did that. But that's not who I am anymore. But yeah, I think it's it's fun to. To reflect with people of what they've done, because man, that's you—you you gave your life to that for a very long time.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. It's funny though. I, I just realized one other thing to mention in a, in a resume from a resume standpoint. I um, and this is a, almost laughable, but I—I I was second uh, in one, the first year. I, I climbed, you know, almost won the championship. I was second by like you know forty points, and then the next year I was second by like twenty-three points. I was getting closer, and then the next year I didn't win it and I, I went to the awards bank. I think I got four. I think I got fourth. So I I started to slide back in the standings, but I got the, uh, the, um, uh, sportsman of the year award It's for the AMA. And it was, it was, it was funny. It was like, Oh, I, well, you know, he didn't get any better, but he sure is a nice guy. I thought that was kind of like, a, like a slap, not a, like a, you know, a backhanded compliment or whatever. Like, thanks guys. That was really, they kept saying, you need to be here. You need to be here. And it was like, I'm not going. I, I sucked, you know, I yeah, went back, was like no you need, you need to come. And then I <laughs> I was up for this award, <laughs> so, most popular. Yeah, exactly. I got the nice, the uh, most, the most likely to to make people laugh award. Yeah, good guys. Where did they finish? Right, <laughs> that's exactly fourth apparently.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I appreciate your humility, but I think it's pretty cool. Like when um, our mutual friends were like telling me what a badass you were, and I don't know anything about motorcycle <laughs> racing, but um, we met a couple times, and then you came to a wild one of our Cormdale Wild Courage Nights here at the barn. And I woke up the next morning, and I just felt like, oh man, that dude's so cool. I, I I need to get him in here and hear his story. And <laughs> so super stoked to have you in here today. And so it all, your story kind of started in, in uh, Paso Robos, California, where you grew up and kind of were seemingly just having a normal childhood, like mom and dad
0: and living out on the farm a little bit. And, yeah. Yeah. We were, we were, you know, horse people. We were, I was a ranch kid, right? I mean, the closest thing I had to a, to a motorized vehicle, we had a, one of those, those, uh, Honda ATCs with the big fat tires. And I flipped that thing off the hill and got banned from that pretty much as pretty early know, on. You know, I can't even tell you how, how young I was then. Um, uh, but regular deal, you know, we lived in a little little bitty rural area with an even smaller. Uh, we were outside of a small town, but then there was a little tiny community that had this little uh, community church, um, Creston Community Church, and uh, my it was I think mean, forty or fifty people, and my mom was you know I think she might have been the 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 official secretary, but you know mm-hmm. <laughs> forty or fifty people it was yeah. just, it was basically people just helping one another, community helping. But she was always doing things for the community and, and they were, you know, I think Thanksgiving, we would buy turkeys and give turkeys to mm. some of the, you know, the families with, with more, you know, a bunch of kids or underprivileged things, which then it was just people falling on hard times, right? Sure. Um, one of my earliest memories, um, we were driving out in the country doing something, probably picking up a horse or doing something for somebody and we saw a fire, like some smoke. And so we took off up the road and it was burning up this hill towards my buddies, to a friend of mine's house that was an elementary school kid. And I remember my mom grabbing the garden hose off the side of the house and fighting this fire, keeping the fire back from their house. What? With kids in the car, right? Like I'm, whatever, four, or five, however old you are when you can remember stuff. Yeah. She's fighting a fire with a garden hose and got and for the, the neighbors. And for the yeah, for there was kind of a little ways out in the country in in the you know, the fire retardant, the borate mm-hmm. bomber guy come through and drop that stuff and got it all over her. Cause she was out there fighting. She's what? in the fire. And and, uh, and it, I mean, I just remember that pink stuff, not you know, her scrubbing on that going, yeah, it kind of burns it, you know, it wouldn't come off her skin. Um, that, that was kind of what I l- saw growing up was this, this lady that, that, um, my, my mom did everything for the community and for people around here, not because you know, there was no accolades. There were no, there was, it was because of what's, that was what was in her heart. Sure. And, uh, my dad was the worker, right? My dad, she, she came up with ideas. He just went out and, and made and, it happen. And, applied. And, and we had, they had five or six businesses going and, and big in the horse world. So they started just basically ranch people boarding horses. And then they got into the breeding of, of race horses and they were going back and forth to the, to the racetrack down in Southern California and, and, uh, spent quite a bit of energy on that. Got to where they were, they were, um kind of getting to be, get somewhere in the, in the, in the stud horse or in the, in the race, race horse world. And, um, I was seven I think my sister, I was seven. My sister was eight. And, and my, my mom was, was handling one of the, one of the stud horses for the, for the one
1: that you were for boarding. The ranch hand.
0: Yeah. That we were boarding for a guy. I don't, I don't know, remember exactly what the agreement, what was going on, but she went in to, to take the stud horse out of the pen to, to let the ranch hand come through and, you know, clean the stall out. And she turned her back, you know, for just a moment, and the in the horse attacked her, and um, it bit her by the throat, bit her, picked her up by the throat, and pinched off her mm-hmm. her uh, trachea, and she suffocated before they could do anything. And I mean, I remember hearing the commotion, looking across the ranch, and seeing it, and, and just kind of being not oblivious, but kind of like unsure what was going on. And then we, oh my gosh, she passed Inner away. Seven? Yeah, yeah, and and, and um, oh, man. you know, we just. Just uh, really started to get something. They were getting somewhere in the horse world. and It was really nice. They were just working nonstop, building this business, building this this not empire with you know ten acres. But but yeah. still, we were doing something and, and uh, doing something she loved. They, they, and they, they were absolutely following their dream. And and uh, I mean
1: the tragedy of being there. I can't, I can't imagine. And was your sister there? Yeah,
0: my sister and I were both there. I think she might have been in the house. I don't. I just remember looking up and seeing the the emotion uh, the a ranch hand guy or buddy Jose really still know the guy to this day, but I remember him looking up going, Hey, call for help, call for help. You know, I just remember all that stuff. And, and kind of the, the thing that stands out in my mind about that, we, we obviously the ambulance came, picked her up. I believe it was too late by that point, mm. but, but, um, somebody rushed us off to my aunt's house in town. And I remember my dad coming back from the hospital and just pulling me aside and saying, pull my sister and I kind of sitting down with us and just kneeling down on our level and looking at us and just saying, Guys, your mom's gone Ugh. and, and we got to We're in this together now. Like, this is all we've got. Mm. I need, I need, I'm. you know, basically we gotta, we gotta grow up together, you know, cause he, he was just the worker. I, you know, I hung out with my dad a lot, but I always hung out with him in the Jeep. You know what I mean? I was yeah. in the Jeep in the back of the Jeep when he and his buddies were hunting and fishing. I was, you know, four or five, six years old growing up, me and the dog in the back of the Jeep. Yeah. That's what I did. You know, that's the time I spent with my dad. But the kind of...
1: Moms are kind of the glue, right, of the family, Absolutely. Though. And to have absolutely. that ripped away from you at such a young age, man, I can't even begin to imagine other than it's different. I, my mom left, right, when I was around that age, a little younger, but I still got to go see her. Right. You know, right. so I I can't even pretend to imagine what that must have been like I I would imagine that you and your sister probably had a pretty special bond through that time. Did you guys cling to one another? Do you remember?
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, she's a year and a few months older than me. So she would, she would look out for me. You know, I was her little brother and I was, I think she was a, she was way less, well, as a boy. So I was pretty mischievous. Um, she looked out for me and kept me, kept me out of trouble. And, and um, we, we did a lot. Of, we did everything together. Yeah. Um, best friends. Yeah. we, we. We we basically though as the three of us kind of grew up together I feel like cuz my dad was not he he was a a great dad but he wasn't a parent at that point. He was the worker, he was just the the so guy who provided. Had
1: to, he had to take on like cooking dinner. Did your sister step up in that regard or
0: At, at 8 years old, I mean she did definitely I, I, I mean, we had jobs, like we had things. It wasn't, it sure. wasn't, there was no allowance.
1: Yeah. It was, you know, this I'd, is how we're going to move forward as a family.
0: Yep. We got 10 acres, we got responsibilities and my dad worked the whole time.
1: And what happened with the horses at that point? Did that, I mean, that was kind of your mom's passion. It sounded like, did that kind of start to phase out?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So this is kind of where the motorcycle thing started to, you know, kind of entered into my life. Um, and I, I, I still have a videotape of it. I, I, I find every once in a while I have a VHS tape (laughs) of the news story that the, the local, the local news station came and did, um, you know, turning tragedy into success. That was kind of how they, they, they dubbed it because by that point I was eight or nine and I started winning races. We, we went from the horse thing pretty quick. My dad started obviously getting rid of the boarding horses. You know, he was doing whatever he could to keep a living coming in, but he had a few other deals he was focused on. He still rope, you know, still roped a little bit and kept his rope horses, but we phased out of the horse thing pretty quick. The thoroughbred quick. Bread
1: and the racing, the breeding, the race thing was away. gone. He wasn't yep.
0: going down to the racetrack well, anymore. I imagine
1: the pain of all that too. Was like
0: yeah, yeah. The remarkable. stud, the stud horse thing, I think was probably a pretty sore spot. And they sold sure. whatever they had that was worth anything to you know to keep things going. But um, ultimately, we had a uh, my dad had a buddy that he worked with that he he was a, had a kid that was my age, and raced motorcycles. And there was a race at the local fairgrounds. And past Robles there. And so you remember going and watching it. Oh, absolutely. I remember thinking we're going to go watch this kid race and he was pretty good, you know, and, and he's and, your age. and he was, Yeah. We, we hung out a lot, you know, a fair amount. So we went to the races and, and, um, I told my dad, he, my dad said, well, you want to do this? And I said, well, yeah, I want to do this. This is great. And so my dad being, you know, that, that go getter went and bought me a bike and then started riding with that kid. And we, we, um, we spent a lot of time out there at his house until I started beating him. And then it was like, you know, it was really awkward at that point. Like we can no longer hang out with you because we're your competition. So the the, the, the dad thing and the pride thing got in the way. And, and, uh, so we started kind of on that local level, just racing and, and my sister, the cool thing was my dad. And that was, that was about the time where I said that news story thing. I kind of, that's my, my memory of it is we went to a bunch of races locally, won the, won the state championship for that class and then the news, you know, and then locally they wanted to turn a, a sad thing because the news cut, co- the news channel covered my mom's death in the sure. funeral. So a year later, I believe it was, they showed back up and they filmed, filmed that same, that same area where she was killed. And you know, they're videoing like this tragedy, they're videoing a kid racing around this little racetrack. So our arena turned into a flat track
1: that your dad built. Yeah. And, um,
0: uh, and and they did this deal. And I, and it's funny that the one, the one comment I have on there, the the guy had asked me a question that was way over a eight year old chair. Sure. And he says, uh, he says, um, my, my response to it was, it's really difficult. I can't explain it. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't remember what he asked, but I remember thinking, Dude, Oh, that's
1: I'm, awesome. I'm
0: eight. I'm eight. Go easy on I me, bro. <laughs>
1: um, but, w- but with that, I mean, that's, and 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 at the time you had no idea but in hindsight looking back emotionally i mean you you have this huge tragedy that happened unbearable like did you think that drove you to like i'm going to take all this energy and thought and dump it into something that is release like i can it's some place that i can go and not be here emotionally
0: Absolutely, and 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 with the victories, you know, with this the again, albeit a, a, a local level or a low, a small level, the victories and the accolades drowned it out that pain, sure. and that loss of, of and confusion at that point. I have to say, more than anything, was probably more confusion of like what what is going on. Do you I mean, think? Do you think also that it's at some level
1: that your dad? It probably made him feel good too. Like I'm being a good parent. Look, my son, I'm pushing him. I'm supporting him. I'm setting him up to be successful at this thing. And it probably in his own way, it was like him reaching out to you as much as he could to be like, I don't know how to fix this, but I'm going to do everything I can to support you over here. I'm going to push you to be successful, practice hard. Let's go. And, it, and in a, in a, in a way, it was probably a way out for him a little bit too, for both of you to go find this thing, maybe.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I kind of you saying that reminds me of a of a kind of a underlying feeling all the time was was my dad was my number one promoter. Um, he was so proud of the situation, and he he was very also very proud that you know my sister and I and him spent a lot of time in the in the car together and the truck together going down the road. Mm And we drove back to the mid we drove to, to the Pacific Northwest, you know, whatever that is, 18 hours or whatever up to Washington to race amateur nationals. And then the following year, following years back to the Midwest, um, playing the travel bingo games and the you know, just all the things you do on the road in and out of truck stops and hotels. And we spent all of our time together. If we weren't in school, we were together going racing. My dad would take us out of school early on Friday. We'd race Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Get home Sunday evening, you know, Hit do a, do what we could around the house, and get up Monday morning, jump on the bus, and go to school. And we had a dude I had a, a seventy five Chevy Love pickup that I used to pull the water truck with the water tank. So I'd have the water tank, fill the water tank up, get in the pickup, go water the racetrack. I couldn't now, I couldn't ride before he got home, but I sure, can that, drive the truck. sure <laughs> that, go go water the racetrack, and get the water soaking in it, it's just things like that. We yeah. used to, we used to drive the pickup. My sister and I had to take turns because we're you know. At that point, whatever that is, eleven, twelve, yeah, you know, high. thirteen, starting to starting to want to learn how to drive. So we were that's awesome. We have to take turns; who got to, to drive down to the school bus or whatever. But you it know. was
1: it was kind of a healing journey for you guys to get to spend that time together. Like, if you look back again now in hindsight, and were to take motorcycles and racing out of the equation, who knows what that family dynamic would look like? So in a way, it's kind of cool. Like this thing that you became very good at and your dad put a lot of energy and resources and time and your sister bought in, like really kind of protected that family unit that was searching to figure out how to move forward in a way. Right.
0: Totally, that was totally the glue. And, and, and my dad, I remember my dad always trying to include, like, if somebody came around and said, Hey, you know, your, your kid just won the championship or you, you guys are doing great. Look at you. And my dad was like, he would like get his arms out, like get his arms around us and go, that's right we did
1: yeah we did a team you know um so yeah. it it was from tragedy to triumph like the newspaper like the news guy said right
0: and and yeah and, and um one thing that that he used as a tool to raise us uh, as a, as the pretty much his go to was look i can't do this on my own mm-hmm. i need more from you than this and i feel like i probably I think we we've probably talked about this a little bit in the you know in a little bit we've talked, but there's there's some sort of unpackaging of this, that I need to get a little dig a little further into to figure yep. out what this has caused you know as, as challenges for me as I get older. But that it's a lot of pressure. The, I'm I'm yeah I'm sorry I can't. There's no there's no other option. We huh. have to we have to work together to move forward. There is no other option. And I you know I try that with my kids and it it's,
1: yeah it's <laughs> it a seems lot of, like
0: they they know better. They know there is a, there are other options.
1: It's a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah for but, you to to kind of again subconsciously know like okay, we're doing this together, but I'm kind of the tip of the spear and I gotta perform or none of this is gonna pan out
0: huh yeah right? i I'd never really thought about that element of it i I just thought of the 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 pressure that I felt was was
1: Hey, there's no congratulations and no yep, we did it. No, without you winning,
0: we've just got it. We've right? just got to move forward. And 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 you know, you say that um, it kind of brings to mind. Went to the amateur nationals in '89. Cleaned house. Had an amazing trip against some stiff competition as a kid. You know, the best guys in the country at that point um, turned out to be the best guys in the world uh, later in life, right. which is really cool. But um, I beat those guys at a young age because I was there was no option for me. We yeah. went there to win. There was no, and I was kind of held to no that plan B. I was held to that high level, you know, because of this, this, what we had the dynamic in our family. But the second year we were going to go to the nationals, the the, the next year, um, I was burnout. It was, so that was middle of the summer. So we'd already been racing for, you know, obviously take the winter off. And then we start in May, March or whatever. So March, April, May, June, so much pressure, so much, my dad putting so you know, and not just my dad, but the sponsors and the people around you. I remember breaking down one night in the back of the truck. How old are you? 10,
1: 10. 10 or eleven? I thought you were going to say twenty. No, no. Dude, I remember.
0: I remember exactly sponsors, where we were on the freeway, man. In the in the in the big shiny red Chevy Dually pickup with the camper shell with my name all over it and Come stuff. On. I remember riding down the freeway and breaking down and and just saying, "I don't want to go." I can't do it. And my dad. And my dad didn't say a whole lot. And. I don't want to go. What's wrong with you? I I don't want to go. I don't want to go to the nationals. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm done. I'm done racing. So he kind of, he didn't really say a whole lot. And I re, I remember my sister, you know, like I am sure he probably, hey, go talk to that knucklehead. Yeah. Straighten him yeah. out. You know, <laughs> she's all, we we can't not go. Like, this is what we've all been, this is what we've been working for, you know? And I'm like, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of dad chewing my butt every time I don't win. I'm tired of the the pressure. I'm tired of it. I'm done. And there was some factory support, like talks of, of Kawasaki supporting me. Cause I was riding green bikes at the time. And, and, uh, there was some, there was big stuff in the works. And I was just, I don't know why Dude. I was, I was throwing the flag in the air and I didn't understand why, like, why don't I like motorcycles right now? I'm done. Something I loved with all my heart. I, I realized all at one moment, like it's not worth it. And my sister, <laughs> bless her heart. She says, well, you've got, you've got to go back there and win have you seen the trophies? I want one of those trophies in our house. Cause we had like, <laughs> that was the other thing. We had like a, a trophy collection at the house. It was, it was hideous. I bet. Like hundreds and hundreds of trophies in the, yeah. li- in the, you know, that on the wall in the living room, which is like nowadays. Now I think about that and how cringe, hideous that is. Yeah. But she's, that was my sister's, uh, you know, hail Mary, like saving grace. You, you need to, we need to get your act together, figured out. We need to go back there so you can get, I really want one of those trophies. And I was like,
1: and, I, for and your 10 year old brains like oh that that's logical <laughs>
0: totally I'm like my sister's done so much for me <laughs> I need to get it but even it still trophies. like
1: looking back now at it like you're getting pressure from dad like and then <laughs> sister and she's 11 so what does she know about <laughs> life and figuring it out right but like dude that's a lot of pressure being put on a 10 year old boy to perform at a very high level and the stakes. There's something cool about the grace of it, though, because you look back now and it's like, you probably feel the weight of the stakes more now than you even did back then. Absolutely. Right? Because you're like, this is just what I'm doing. I'm 10. I don't know any no, different. No. Mom's gone. Yep. This is what we're doing as a family. Yep. Dad has poured into me. He's built tracks. He's bought motorbikes. He's...
0: Travel, travel, travel.
1: He's hauled me everywhere. Yep. How supportive can he be? The messaging always isn't perfect, but... <laughs>
0: um, subconsciously you're like, he's the best dad in the world. Oh, they're my, my friends. And, and that was the thing. The kids, you know, my buddies would all come hang out at the house because we had extra bikes and extra gear. And, you know, anytime there was a kid whose parents wasn't, parents weren't maybe loving on them the, the way that my dad thought, you know, they should, he would invite him out and take him down, on. take him down the road with us and yep. love on them, yep. you know, and that was just the guy he was right. That's like, awesome. like, uh, he would, he would definitely make them, he would hold them responsible for cleaning them after, the, you know, they had to do dishes too. Mm-hmm. They had to do all the stuff too. Responsibilities were always part of that deal. But, but I can't tell you, there wasn't a time in our lives where there wasn't some straggler, you know, or, or, you know, yep. I'm Somebody not saying underprivileged. Needed. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, there was, there was times where the, the, the mayor's kid was hanging out at our house because he just didn't have any that feel at home. Right. Yep. Cause they were busy and, and, uh, time. Yep. So anyway, um, I, I guess to kind of, kind of, move forward from that as, as, as I began to, to climb the ranks and do the deal, um, in the racing world, cause it really was, it was, you know, I was, I remember being 15 and getting hurt a lot. I, I, I spent a lot of time it, busted b- up. By
1: 15, you're already getting pretty wrecked. Cause you're probably racing against guys that are older and better than you. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and pushing to that level, that was the thing is when, when you're low, racing young kids, you know, there's a couple other guys that are as fast as you in the country. But then I, I, I turned 14 and got on a, a full size, like a man's bike, you know, like a 600 and, and and I was physically not big enough to to really do much with it, but the other guys were way bigger, and they didn't want some kid coming and taking oh, yeah. their l- lunch money. You know, kicking
1: the nuts to get beat by a fifteen year old.
0: But I hadn't been taught I shouldn't win yet. That that's the thing. I was only ever allowed to believe I was going to be the best in the world. I was never allowed to believe I could suck at anything. So I didn't. I, I don't know if that that body mind connection or like the psychological side of of, of, of performing at a high level. If you truly believe it, it's pretty reasonable to get there.
1: Obviously, and I
0: was not allowed to believe any other way. And so I'm 14 years old, or shoot 13. I remember the on a 250 in a little short track at Pass Robles. In fact, running into grown men, knocking them down for like a, and I not on purpose, but just bumping and banging and you short 100 track pounds racing. less than them. And and I remember a grown dude. So there's a red flag. There's a big pile up that I most caused. certainly caused. <laughs> and i'm coming around on the red flag on the cool out like on the red flag lap i'm pulling by and there's a grown dude like flipping me off with both hands ready to fight me and i'm 13 right and i'm going okay i i, I sort of caused this so i stopped and i thought you know I'm looking around. Where's where's my dad? Where's my people? And the guy bent over to pick up his bike, and I snuck right by and <laughs> pulled over to the starting line. And and uh, I think I ended up getting you know second or third. Made like six hundred bucks or five hundred bucks, and I went and bought a new bicycle, Jeremy. That was I, wow. That was the age. That was my level of that maturity. was your
1: right. You like know I'm... <laughs> I'm gonna get a bike and some football cards, <laughs> some hubba bubba.
0: <laughs> so so the idea was I was way out of my element. But was never allowed to believe any other way. I'm supposed to.
1: There's no room to fail.
0: Yeah, Yeah. you're supposed to beat those guys. You're on the best equipment. You're, you know,
1: and that just kept going because then you get sponsorships start pouring in, and then you you end up out of high school, and you're like, obviously, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my foreseeable future. I would imagine. Oh yeah, and um, some freedoms start happening, right? Because now you're out on the road, and along
0: with that comes victory draws a crowd, you know, the winner, everybody wants to be around the winner. And then, and I, while I had my, so I, at 16, I started traveling on my own, you know, had to, my dad was home working Mm -hmm. and the pro, the the national circuit was going on. And so I had to be there and, um, had some good people around me. My dad positioned us accordingly, you know, just properly with good dudes to travel with. And, And at an early age, all I, only thing I really did, I, I, I was a in fact, one of the, the journalists, one of the uh, motorcycle journalist guys wrote it one time. He said, I'm, I'm just a, he's just a, a skirt chaser. That was, I think, the term he used. Just a skirt chaser. That was what that guy was all about. You know, he didn't realize hmm. that was a byproduct of, that was coming to me. What else? You know, at, yeah. at 16, 17, 18 years old, that was
1: natural. Well, you again. nailed it. What People want to be around winners. It <laughs> doesn't matter how old you are or, yeah. or what it is. And, and girls are attracted to dudes that are...
0: Winning things. So, yeah. So, so that was probably about all the trouble I was causing, or even, and not even, that was just what I did in my spare time. Um, to a certain point, I, I I was never really allowed, I knew that drugs were going to get in the way of my, my, my success in my Mm -hmm. career. Um, drinking, I always thought if I drank a beer and got in a truck, I would, you know, got in a vehicle, I'd die right away. I just, I, you know, there was just beer based. My dad, you know, I was raised to, to, don't even go there because you've, we've, we've, we've a lot sacrificed stake. too much yep. for you to throw it away doing that. And then sometime in my early twenties, um, a lot more success and climbing the ranks. Like I said, getting to the top of the, the sport, you know, running towards the top. Um, my sister was going to the races and really helping out and and kind of helping keep me in line as I was you know, Chaperoning a little I mean, bit. My dad would come two or three races a year and, and anything on the West Coast, but he he literally he was working for a living. He he was just trying to get by, you mm-hmm. know, and, and he was in kind of salvage mode at that point with his whole life and finances. And so um my sister would show up and she was doing all my merchandising stuff, and but she would also keep me in line, kind of socially. And if there was any any you know young girls running Riff around, raff. she would run them off. Yep. Get out of here! He's got a job to do, you know. And then yep. and then uh, if, if they weren't classy or or respectable, she'd run them off after the races. You know, she just protected me. She was a a a, a protector from the get go, right? Being an older sister. But um, I think around the time that I was at the the highest I ever got, the best results I ever made, she got she got married, met a guy and was, was, you know, starting her family. And this guy was an amazing Christian dude, or he is an amazing Christian dude and a wonderful dad now, but she decided, and I think they decided probably that, that her spending time with me, you know, I was not a lost cause, but they, they've got to start their own life. Sure. And so she stopped coming to the races. And that's when, uh, that's when that other stuff started creeping mm-hmm. in. And I can, I mean, i I can almost look back to the day, but, but, um, you know, you you call them distractions, but it was like, well, what's it going to hurt if I just, you know, try a little bit of this or do a little bit of that. Or maybe I, you know, don't get my work done today. I I go out tonight or we travel over here and go to this, you know,
1: you start rearranging your life to accommodate things that you didn't used to accommodate almost.
0: It wouldn't even have considered it. It wasn't part of the deal. Right. And, and, um, but it's, it's so sexy
1: to not (laughs) partake in some of those things, right? Like,
0: yeah, yeah. We, um, so, so one thing I kind of have to, I have to kind of tie this back growing up to the point uh, where my mom passed, you know, we used to go to church and I, I knew Christ. I, th- I think, you know, I, I knew what going to church meant. As much as a six year old can. Yeah. Yeah. It was something, but there was, there was, that was there and, and any time that there was a a choice to do right or wrong, or the the, the opportunity to, to, to do something irresponsible or, or, you know, wrong was, was in front of me. I always knew if it was wrong. And it wasn't very often that I would pick wrong. You you know, I I had a moral compass built in early. Your true North was established. I knew right where I was headed um, or where I was supposed to be headed. But then as those years kind of wore on, I thought, So without Christ, as the center of my life, everybody's showing up. You know, you're you're working your butt off. People are, like you said earlier, it's all about you. It's all about you. Pretty soon you're your own. I was my own, my own God. I was my own. That's in the racing world. I see it today. These kids, these guys are allowed, are, are encouraged to believe they're their own top of the mountain. And I think Part of the psycho the psychology of, of of sports at any level, you've got to believe in yourself. You no, know, there's but, just no balance. But without Christ, without that centeredness, that 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 having that nucleus to that you need to, that you have to that brings you back. I, I could do anything I wanted. I could I could do anything the, I wanted. You
1: had power, which is money. You had influence. You had a platform. I mean, so people want to give you things. Yeah girls want to be with you. It's
0: at the time, Jeremy, at the time, my, my results started to fade, I think probably because of it, but really what it was is my desire to be number one. Then just became my desire to be the coolest guy at the track. And I didn't see it. I mean, I still said I wanted to be number one. I still, you know, worked hard. I still did what I was supposed to do. But all of a sudden, all that mattered to me was like, the guy that was winning all the races, there was there was nobody asking him where the party was afterwards. It was you, and 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 there there was people showing up going, hey, before the heat race was even over, you know what I mean? We're still in qualifying or whatever. People, hey, what are we doing tonight? You know, there's a big so and so at this place, and it was like that was that became on a kind of sneaky, it, it, it snuck in to be the, the most important thing. And I had you know the the crowd, I had the the, the sponsorship stuff. I mean, everybody wanted to be part of that. But what had happened was I'd lost my, I'd lost my true North. I'd lost my way. And then drugs and, and, you know, girls, I mean, girls are part of every young boy's life just to what level. Right. I mean, that just became my
1: access and proximity or what limit most. But when you're uh, in your spot, there access, was no, there was no, it's no, unlimited
0: there was no end to it. And, and I was never afraid to exploit that to, to be, you know, again, I see. to be cool, I wanted to, I wanted people around me. I wanted good people around me. I wanted good energy around me. And so I just, yeah, let's go. And more and the more people were yeah. like, Hey, are you going to do this? Well, sure. Why not here? Try some of that. Cool. Is that what we're all doing tonight? Let's do it. It didn't yep. matter. Um,
1: and at that point, are you racking up injuries as well?
0: So I went on a, a few s- spells of injuries, um, spent quite a bit of time in the hospital, but those all seemed to be in my developmental, you know, coming up years,
1: as you got wiser as a racer, those
0: well, got fewer. When your desire, um, when your desire is greater than your experience level and your and, mm-hmm. not, and your understanding of the way things work, there's some. Yeah, those. But again, remember, I was never allowed, and I've I've kind of thought about this recently. I was never allowed to suck. I was never allowed to have an excuse. Mm-hmm. There is no excuse. You cannot excuse it. I'm sorry. There's no room for an excuse. Man, so I'd get hurt. I'd I'd be climbing the ladder, doing things I shouldn't. You know, man. I'm making it. I'm making it. I'm making it, and get hurt. And I'd sit out for two months. And when I came back, I'd pick back up higher than where I stopped Dang. because I was sitting around for two months, knowing that when I physically can get back on the bike, I'm going to dominate. in yeah. And and and, in, and there were times where the recovery took some time, but. I never once thought I couldn't do it. I never once, because of an injury, thought anything other than look out. Give me, you know, let me at them now. Oh, those guys thought I was. Those that guys drove, thought I was. drove you. Those guys thought I was tough before. Wait till I get back from this. And mm. and 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 it, it's mental It was just a mentality. I was never allowed to believe I couldn't succeed. I was. How never-
1: powerful is that? Now having kids of your own. <laughs>
0: well, if, if they don't buy into it, it's, not, it's like a fart in church, buddy. It didn't go anywhere.
1: I know, but to to. For them not to feel that, 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 right. that, that, that there's no room to make a mistake. Yeah. Oh, we, <laughs> you know, like, dude, you've been through a lot to get to the point of like, get to the top. It's like uh it's like a song, right? Like money for nothing and the checks are free.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and um, well, and I, I, you know, if, if one of my kids spill something now, it's funny you bring that up. If one of my kids spill something, it's it's an effort for me not to make a big deal. It's, I have to work to not make a big yeah, deal yeah, out of both. it. Yeah, you and And try to explain to them, it's all right. Did you mean to do that? Well, no, I understand that. Let's clean it up. The stakes Here, aren't so high all the time. Let's go right? grab the paper towels, you know. Um, I saw a post, somebody posted something the other day. It was a Christian-based thing, but it was really cool. It said it takes, you know, years and years of building up their their um, self-confidence or their inner, you know, their, their spirit. And it takes one bad parenting moment or one, one spilt water, you know, glass of water in the living room or something, or, you know, drop, dropped a jug of milk. It takes one instant to ruin all that. And that's me too. I mean, I, I got to really watch that or all, cause I, I don't know, I guess that's just part it's, of how well, I was, it was raised. It's, right?
1: it's, yeah. It's what's modeled. I feel similar in that, my youngest son tangled up the, we went fishing, got back, and they're <laughs> practice casting. It's cute. I'm over doing something. I look over, and it's a wad, right? This big. <laughs> the fishing line is a mess. And I went over there, and like, what are you doing? Like, do you see what you've done? Yeah. And I I just saw the shame, all the joy of, we just got back from fishing. This is his first year fishing. Like, I sucked it out of him, like you're saying, yeah. in two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. And it took me the rest of the day to try to clean up that mess. He wouldn't look at me. He would bury his head down in the grass and like it crushed me, dude. So I know what you're saying. Like there's something about letting kids make mistakes that I think's super powerful in this journey being dads of like, man, it's all right. It's not that big a deal. Yeah. And cleaning up when we do bring shame down on them, it's hard. Yeah. Um, but At at that point, when you're, when you're at the top and these other elements of heavy is the head that wears the crown, right? Like now it's all these other things that it didn't used to be about. It seems like there's a a little bit of a shift in, in your desire to, it it didn't, it wasn't just about the one thing anymore. It seemed like there was other things that were starting to be as important. It wasn't about winning.
0: I mean, I can, I can, I can see it. Looking back, I can see it playing out. I can see it exactly kind of how it happened at the time. I had no clue. I thought I was doing my best at what I was supposed to be doing and um what ultimately kind of the breaking point for me was you know you know getting invited to the x games um as a flat tracker in the supermoto deal and got to race with the best guys in in all of motorcycling and some from the hit from the past that were mm-hmm. kind of revived due to the to this one um, form of racing. And the super moto thing was like a, you know, combination of dirt street, like a hybrid thing, supercross motocross flat track. I mean, Jeremy McGrath is like the best guy that's ever thrown his leg over a supercross bike you know, or a motocross bike. And, and we tested and practiced together and, 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 walked the track. And I'm, and I'm, you know, at that point I'd, I'd been around the guy and up, I knew he was great, but he was just one of my peers, mm-hmm. you know? And when, let me tell you, when there was, when all these shenanigans were going on, you know, before and hour after the races, um, I, that's, that's the circle I traveled in, you know, that was cool. Man, and, and, yep. and so for me, I had, I was doing what I was supposed to be doing at, at the time, but, uh, it all kind of came to a breaking point. Um, too many distractions, not paying attention to what I was supposed to be paying attention to. And we were down in Florida and, um, uh, you know, around bike week, Daytona about this time of year. And, uh in a bar where I shouldn't have been probably late, you know, around, around, you know, women that I probably shouldn't have been and people and, and ended up in a situation where, um, a a gal came to the, to the authorities the next day and said, you know, made, made up a story and and was putting us on the spot that she was, that this, that there was a rape situation happened. What Turned out that she does this and this gal had done this in Daytona to the NASCAR guys. Mm -hmm. This had happened before. This is something that was going on, but it didn't matter. What a wake up. It didn't matter at that point. I was I, I was guilty of being in that situation, in that environment. You know, the night before a race. Um, you know, during Bike Week, I shouldn't have been anywhere near that that lifestyle, that 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 situation. Mm-hmm. But but so I put myself in that situation. Um, the the doggone the the sheriff or whoever they were show up at the races and start questioning me and my buddies right before, before the right race. before practice. I mean, I'm in the hauler with my sponsors talking strategy, talking setup, talking, whatever, getting ready for the race. And the, and the AMA, you know, referee guy knocks on the door and says, Hey, there's some guys out here that want to talk to you. Now, where was my head? Right. Mm. And here I am trying to win this thing. This is my big year, right. Mm -hmm. This is my, one of my big, you know, I'm going to make it happen. Daytona was one of my favorite places. We'd always go down there and do well. And I I ended up crashing pretty hard, you know, trying to get to the front because I was distracted. I wasn't on my game. Anyway, more or less where I was trying to get with that was that was the breaking point. I mean, sitting in a hotel room with rape charges sitting on the table, which it wasn't, it never happened and there was no proof and there was probably no chance it was ever going anywhere. It didn't matter, but still I was in that environment. I I was, my name was on that paperwork. And the first thing I did, it's just to this moment, it's just like that. that's that, that's that bottom out that, that lowest point of my life I reached in that, that little dresser drawer to try to find that Bible mm. that you always, you know, Bible. I'm looking for the remote control and you find the Bible. Yeah. Gosh darn Bible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I went looking for that thing mm. and I don't know what I was looking for, but I knew with all my heart at the lowest point of my life where to go.
1: Mm. Those seeds that your mom planted.
0: Yep. Yep. Hey, and and I and I opened that thing up and I got to looking and couldn't find couldn't find what I was looking for. None of it made sense and and uh, didn't matter, man. Mm. It didn't matter. I was from that point on. And I it took a few years of of flopping around. You know, I'd be I'd be praying and reading the Bible, and then somebody'd call and there'd be something going on. And I'd end up on a two or three day run of of riding dirt bikes and chasing women. Yeah. You know, I, I I I it wasn't like I turned my life around that day. The lowest point of my life when I thought I might go to prison. Yep. I reached in and I found that book. And I can't, I can't tell you why I have no, there's no, I guess it just up to seven years old, six years old, I had learned that was the answer. That was that compass I needed. And I'd strayed from that. I'd swung from that a long ways. And when I realized it, this is no longer the way. I mean, I was, there was, like I said, we could have a party at the drop of a hat, make a few phone calls and have a, a you know, and I was lonely. Every time, every time that was over, we clean up the, you know, you go clean up the mess, everybody goes home and now it's back to training for racing again. I'm doing this stuff and I'm just looking around going
1: for, there's nothing here. For me that, that. <clears throat> That hole got bigger and bigger. The emptiness, like I couldn't fill it with enough yeah. girls, booze, yeah. whatever he needed to stay awake to drive to the next one, right? Like that, the appetite for that for me was getting bigger and bigger. Yep. And the more I threw at it, it, it didn't satisfy it's
0: it. It's just a wildfire. It is a wildfire. You're you're just throwing gasoline at it and thinking that we're going to, you know, I'm going to, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to feed this animal. I'm going to feed this animal. All you're doing is making that animal hungry.
1: At, at what point did, did you know you were done racing?
0: So, um, uh, that was, I think I kind of had my, had my breaking point in 2005. I, I wanted to start a business. I knew I was, I was my, my outlook at the other racers at the, at the environment changed. And I started, a I started my own team in 2007 hired the mechanics bought all the equipment, got the sponsorship, got the sponsorship money. Instead of, instead of me riding for a team, I built my own team. I thought that's what I wanted to do again. I'm looking for something to fill that hole. Right. And I was halfway through the season. I think we'd finished up front a few times. I was running up in front in the points and, um, by all stretch, by all measures, I mean, it was going great, having a good time, but kind of cut back on the partying thing, knew that was a dead end street. But, um, uh, I broke my leg. Let me see. I fell off in a, just practice or a, you know, practice session qualifying or whatever in, um, Greenville, Ohio in middle of June, uh, middle of July. And I knew the minute my leg snapped. I mean, I felt the bone break and before the bike was done skidding down the track, before I was done flopping down the racetrack, I'd already said to myself, I'm, I'm done. Like my heart's not there. I'm done. This what, what am I doing? Isn't, you know?
1: isn't that amazing that it's all happening so fast, but you knew that you were done. That happened to me when I was, because I used to rodeo and ride yep. bucking horses. I went to my hometown. I grew up in American Falls. My family's all there. I got on a horse that I'd drone in Arizona and been on. Her name was Randolph Fox. i have been on her three times. And I knew you could uh, maybe, maybe went on her, at least win a check. And she went out there. I wrote, covered her. Um, she started turning back right after the whistle, like she always did. And she turned back the opposite way that she normally did. And I got hung up to her. And as she's dragging me around the arena, and I know my grandma and grandpa are there, my whole family. Same thing, dude. Like my shaps got ripped off, my pants got ripped off because now I'm dragging underneath her. Right. And I'm, and I knew, I'm like, this is it. Like this all, this all happened in like 12 seconds. Yeah, Yeah. I'm like, I'm done. I just knew. It's funny how that happens in such a, intense time. But so you, you, yeah. you knew you were done. Was it then like, then what? Cause this is all I've ever done. But the cool thing about that, I would imagine is there's opportunities to make a living in the industry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I had to, um, kind of clean up the mess that I made there. So I had I drawn a bunch of sponsorship money and had people wrote checks for the whole year. So I went and found a couple of good guys that were, that were could outperform their level of sponsorship. You know, basically I found oh. some guys, I wrote a few smaller checks and got double coverage, mm-hmm. had two riders. Actually, it was a brother, a couple of brothers out of, uh, out of uh, Virginia, Tim and Joe Eads, and they were really good dudes. I, I really took care of my sponsors by making sure their name was everywhere. You know, Paid all my debts that from that route because I had the, the, the sponsorship money already. Kind of wrapped, made sure my mechanic had a place to go. Everybody that I put to work, I kept to work, right? Just doing what I could. Spent the rest of that money doing it, but mm-hmm. that's what I was supposed to do, I felt and then, and then kind of flushed that at that point I was done. was able to transition in the motorcycle business, um, to some sponsor working for companies that had helped me out that, had, you no know, relationships I'd, I'd established.
1: Um, is that how you met your
0: wife? So, <laughs> yeah, so we, we actually, uh, my wife and I met, um, earlier in my career. Her dad was a championship, racer, you know, uh, past champion racer, and 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 uh, all the other girls around the pits would kind of ooh and odd anybody coming up, young California guy, whatever. And I tried to throw that game on her, and uh, and, and she said, <laughs> "You need to settle down." You you know, she cut ca- you know, called me out on my my uh, wild riding, and you're know, you're not a good starter. You know, you need to figure out your starts. Oh, and, dang. and it was like,
1: how offensive you know, was at, that? At
0: Sixteen years old. Here I was thinking I was going to impress this girl from the East Coast, and she called me out and told me I need to get my act together. Mm-hmm. And so, I chased her for a while back then, uh for the most part, we stayed close but but um, we were just worlds apart, you know. sure she was uh going to get her her teaching degree, and I was chasing after a championship well, mm-hmm. she grew up with a she grew up with a dad as a racer, so she didn't want anything to do with the sure that. you know she so saw she the, thought <laughs> she saw her mom <laughs> you know kind of kind of live in that life and thought that was no life for her um so years down the road she gets engaged, doesn't work out. kind of a failed thing. You know, she's at a low point, finds the Lord begins to same kind of a story for her. She, she'd gone to church young with some friends of her families, but, but, um, and knew right from kind of had that same, you know, that same compass, but didn't know what it was about. Well, she was at the lowest point of her life after that, you know, the, the failed, I guess, engagement in, in her life where she was. And just, you know, we'd talk on the phone and she'd, Kind of cried the blues to me. Well, then she turned her life, found, found the Lord, turned her life over, was changing things and went on a mission trip down in Nicaragua and really felt the Lord moving in her life, helping this, uh, working at a, at a um, orphanage. Cause she was a early childhood development mm. specialist. So she's a kid person. So she yeah. went down there and she came home on fire. Yeah, got wrecked. On fire. And, um, we talked about that on the phone. We just remained friends all those mm-hmm. years. We always said we, no matter where we, no matter what we do or what our relationship does, let's just make sure we're at each other's weddings, mm. right? We don't, we don't want to ever screw this up so bad that we can't support one another in whatever happens. We just had that kind of relationship. So about, so when I was kind of wrapping up my racing career, um, and one of the things that she brings up all the time, I said I had said like, I don't know what I'm going to do if I stop racing. You know, at that point, what am I going to do? I, I, I don't have anything else. And she was she was the one to kind of tell me, look at what you've done, look at the relationships you've made, and look how hard you've worked at this. Work that hard at anything else, you'll be successful. Find something, then. yeah, find something else that propels you that 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 you that you love and do it like that, and you'll go to the top. And I and I I think I think that's a message that that a lot of people need to hear. Just because you've worked hard to, at one at one thing, if you've done your best, if you've worked your heart out, and know what it's like to climb the ladder, you can you can replicate that again.
1: Yeah, take that work ethic and drive over to maybe something you were called more called to do. Even
0: well, as we grow and we realize our callings, right? We realize where we're supposed to be, what the Lord our natural our our God given skills and talents. If we recognize that stuff, I mean, if I would if I would have. Paid attention to that early on. Maybe not so much on the bike, but off the bike, I could have done a ton of things. I could have done a lot of stuff, knowing my my ability to communicate with people and my my desire to help others. There's a lot of things I could have done had I been looking at that. All I thought I was supposed to do was go win. I was yeah. only told I was, you're, you're going to go be the next world champion. You got to go. You got to go. And so putting results aside and establishing your, your, your God-given talents. I think that that was what started to happen when I was done, when I was done racing and looking around, I actually, because of that, I started a home inspection business, just knowing a little bit about construction, um, loving to be around people and help people that, you know, inform people in in certain situations. And I, we scaled back, worked in the motorcycle business for a while and, you know, not very profitable, started a family, started this business and really got rolling uh My wife was really supportive of that and and she was able to stay home with the kids so we, we had um, we got three kids really cool um our whole coming together and 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 our strength was completely in our faith, our strength together, being able to deal i mean a man and a woman are so opposite and, and being wound as wound as tight as we both are right no chance that was ever happening without our faith and our mm-hmm. and our trust in the Lord that he brought us together. Our story is my wife and I's story is is so clear that the Lord put us together, and without Him, it would never happen. But the more that we rely on Him now, and I and I know you have your your own um, experiences with this, but but man, Jeremy, women are they're they're like a rocket ship, like a spaceship. Whereas a guy, I feel like a guy is like a John Deere tractor, right? It's really simple. And, yeah. and, and to try to make those two things work together, uh, without Christ, man, I, I don't know that I'd, I don't know what I'd do. So we, that's our glue, um, with our kids, we try to base everything we have around that and, and what we moving forward. Um, we're, so we're on the central coast still. She moved from the East coast out, started a family, started this business, Clipping right along, doing amazing things, what felt like promoted races in the at the local fairground, the Pass Robles fairgrounds mm-hmm. where it all started well from. There was nobody doing races there. And it was just because they were scared. I mean, the 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 there, there were the, people were too busy. That, yeah. flat out. There's a huge demand. Everybody rides there. Why aren't we having a race?
1: Well, it's anything in in life. Like people just need leaders. They're just afraid <laughs> to go do something, right? They need somebody to go first.
0: And and Okay. So you say that, it makes, this makes me think what somebody posed the question and I might even read it on you know, on Reddit somewhere. If you had no fear, if you knew you couldn't fail, what would you try? What would you do? And I thought, well, we say we trust in the Lord. If we actually trust in the Lord, what would we do? And the answer to that question was I'd start a promotion company and promote races at the Pass Robles fairgrounds. And then I'd start promoting rides up in the mountains. Cause I'm a dirt bike guy. That's what I would do all the while, you know, doing home inspections. I was doing like 400 of those things a year. So we were killing it financially, but just wearing myself out and, and, uh, decided to promote this race. And then I realized that makes my heart tick. That's what really mattered to me was giving people, giving back to other people, what I was able to do, what kept me out of trouble, what healed or maybe just covered up the damage that was done to me at a young age. But what, what filled that void for me as a young man and kept me, you know, on the straight and narrow for a certain time, but really gave me a career and gave me a purpose in life. I wanted to give that back. So we're still, you know, we, we did that, that race one time wildly successful. It was a, it was way too many people, 107 degrees in September in California. We got our butts kicked. Mm. Um, but the, it got ready to come around you'd get planning for the next year and this covid thing happened and they were saying right away like oh if if you guys can't even do it at all um everybody will be wearing masks and it was like well done we're not doing it is that is that partly why you guys moved to Idaho um yeah it was all kind of pointing in that direction but but our thing was, you know, the, the the our fleece basically was if we have to wear masks, and this was way early. This was like in March, right when it was first starting. Mm-hmm. So I just said, if and, and we're we're ready to start securing sponsorship and talking to people about the the financial end of it and promoting, and you know, um, we were getting ready to plan it all out. And we said if if we have our fleece was if 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 there are masks involved in this, we aren't doing it. Not not because it's not the same or it won't work or anything else. And it turns out everybody had to wear masks for a long time, but it was like we can hold off. There's no reason for us to force this. And that was our fleas. That was our thing. Well, okay. So then we, as soon as we wiped that, having that race away, that was our one big thing. What are we going to do next? We want to reach people. We want to, we want to make our lives better Get
1: back and
0: start looking around. And the whole world was changing at a pace that was scary. And what we had in our little local, our little, you know, redneck community, there our little rural Pastor Robles, Central Coast, you know, San Luis Obispo County, there was a bunch of, 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 California being pushed down our throat that we didn't see coming, you know? And when we sat up and looked around at that, it scared us. And my, I come home from work one day and my wife said, we, we got to go. Our, our seven-year-old had brought home a, a book about, um, uh, a transgender kid, a book, a reading book is a second grader about a transgender kid. And, um, that, that was it. it. Yep. That was it. She said, we got to go. And I said, can we go to Idaho? <laughs> Which I've been dreaming about moving to Idaho because of all the dirt biking and the freedoms. And she'd been looking into it about who's the last, where's the last place where they're going to shove this vaccine and all this stuff down our throats. Who's going to take our, 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 who, where's the least chance of us losing our freedoms? So I said, you know, I mentioned, well, let's go to Idaho. And she said, she said, well, how'd you know I was thinking about Idaho? And I said, well, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, but now, you know, let's, so we, here you are the, the next the next opening i had on off work we came up here and made a trip and by the time we got through the state we knew where we wanted to be um she fell apart she cried she saw the vision she wanted to see you know all the stuff that we'd asked the lord for discernment and he's just handed to us And the, every every minute that we've been here feels like a gift from god and it feels like an opportunity to connect with people about christ and now we're leading dirt bike you're leading dirt yeah, bike that,
1: rides that's what i wanted to go to next tell us about kind of this adventure thing that that you're doing now where you you go even back to california and put together these cool rides that you go do over 3 or
0: 4 days tell us tell me a little bit about that so with with promoting of the race i realized that that if if I, I like all, was also, you know, putting rides together for people and it kind of customize you. You find the, the people that are a, a group with a, de- a desire to get together, old friends, find a theme, right? Maybe make some t-shirts and give everybody something to get excited about. It, what it really is, is getting people excited to go, to go get, get in shape, get on their bikes, work on their abilities, their skills, and then go and show, enjoy the outdoors together and one another, the camaraderie and from the beginning, I just had some good friends that, that you know, believers, Christian believers that were just always wanted to pray before the ride or or get out in the middle of nowhere and look up and go, look at, look at how awesome this is. And those moments of realizing that God created this desire in me to ride this dirt bike, God created this mountain that's so amazing that that I can actually see because of this dirt bike. Those Those connections were so strong. I felt the ability to connect with people that otherwise, you know, Oh yeah, I went to church when I was young or, you know, I was a Catholic and, you know, whatever the situation was, I, d- I don't, I don't celebrate that anymore. I don't even look down that route and we're always looking for profit. We're always looking for, you know, the, the, the world tells us we need the, a bigger truck, more money, you know, prettier, shinier stuff. And what I've found in nature and in people, when you get into a position where you're bite, you're stuck in the bottom of a Canyon, um, It takes teamwork to get out you've got to really do some problem solving. You you get close to danger. You get close to fear. You get, you really expose your heart and you're, and it's, and you're able to be reached. You're able to reach one another. You're able to connect at a level that is second to none. And that's what we're finding
1: as we're expanding with wild courage and what this is all about, right? Is for men to get in a situation where they can allow themselves to be humble, and, and being in those environments, sometimes you get humbled whether you like it or not, yep. Yep. like you're talking about. But more importantly, we're finding is men are starving for vulnerability and to oh, to be heard, to be seen, to be okay to be like, what's going on in this world, in this country, scaring the crap out of me, yep. but somewhere in it we think we're all alone in our junk and our brokenness. But when you get together with a bunch of dudes and you get them outside and you get them on a mountain, on a motorbike or on a horse or on a pack trip and you're like, Oh wait, we we have the same fears and we're experiencing the same struggles of blowing it as dads and, and figuring out marriage and, and there's something special that happens in that vulnerability that we feel like it, it takes courage to tell your story, but we also feel like, kind of our slogan is we all have a story the world needs to hear. Absolutely. And I would imagine in, in those circumstances that you're putting together on these customized rides that you're organizing that there's room for that to happen for that's... guys to tell their story and to, for that community to happen, which I feel like men are just starving for
0: the, the connections that that's the things, the connections we're making with these guys, it's, it's not a deliberate, like we're, we're not, we're not it's doing organic. that. We're not lead, Yeah. We're not leading with you're broken and I need to, I need to help you get fixed. It's, it's, we're going on a dirt bike ride and the life that we live
1: is authentic
0: is so, it's so close to the surface. I, 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 my wife and I talked about her, her mission trips to Nicaragua. She went, and ended up going on a second trip down there and loving it. And then we started a, a family. And I'm a you know, startup business and and we were scraping to get by and she wanted to go back and do more. And I, of course, in the building, you know, knowing a little bit about construction, I wanted to go down and, you know, these play Haiti and these places, go build, go rebuild structures mm-hmm. and go help lead, lead crews. And we couldn't afford the time. We couldn't, we couldn't get away with the young kids, whatever it was, it wasn't, it didn't work out. And we decided that other than going on a mission somewhere, our mission field became every day right in front of us. Mm So we'd we'd go to church and started volunteering with the youth group and just talking to those kids and just connected at a level that if we be real and vulnerable, these kids will come to you, right? They would come to us and say, my mom and dad are having a problem, you know, because we were older, but we were like kids, you know, Mm -hmm. we were playing games. We got uh, um, just all kinds of, all kinds of different um, connection levels there where these, you know, we felt, I felt the real, the, like you said, the organic, um, the real authentic feel of I'm here as a person and I'll do anything for you. Call us in the middle of the night if you're in trouble. And these are high school kids, you know, going through stuff, high school kids go through. And so, and then to take it one step further, our mission field became our group of friends. We weren't better than anybody, weren't serving anybody, but doggone it, we were open and honest and available. And if something happened, we could help with them. And then we, we just keep dragging that with us everywhere we go, Jeremy. And that that's what our lives have become is we're no longer, we're not going on, we're not going on a mission. We're living
1: yeah. on the mission. And that's why I was, uh, that's why I was immediately like attracted to you. I'm like, this guy's living an authentic life that you don't need to go to Nicaragua because you're, 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 you're growing where you've been planted Yeah, and there's this thing especially in the church culture where it gets weird to be doing anything for god or for mankind you got to go to another country to do it and the truth is is it starts at home with our marriages yep showing our kids what it looks like to have a healthy marriage right to stop that the cycle of brokenness that is running rampant in our world right now so what if we stopped looking good on the outside and going to missions yeah. overseas and then coming home and treating our spouses like crap and yeah. shaming our kids what if we started to make a change at home and then we went in our community like you're talking about and like you're doing with the 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 motorcycle shop you're building here and locally in town that's going to be your mission it's going to be your outreach god's given you a platform yeah. with motorcycles it started out as one thing as a way for you to survive something horrible that happened. And he's so redeeming, right? Because look, it's full circle, dude. Totally what what you started out at seven, eight years old to 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 mask some horrible pain that you were experiencing. And then it's the same thing that brought you and your dad and your sister and your family unit together that probably protected and made that survival. Survivable of what you guys experienced, yeah, that it took you to your greatest tragedy and heartache and emptiness. And then, look, he's redeeming it because of it. You met your wife when you were 15, yeah, and then full circle, you get some healing. And now, look, you're raising a family, you're showing up for your wife, you're being the best dad you can be, and you're in a community where you're gonna get a live and walk this thing out that you're passionate about and it's authentic. And you get to do it and wake up every day and do it like we all do. I think that's yeah. the beautiful part of what you're saying is we don't have to go anywhere to do what we're called to do. It starts in our homes. And when we leave our house every day, every step of the right? way,
0: every step of the way. And so we're, you know, with the, the, the community here, it feels like there's so many people here are on a similar mission or I've never met, so many people, I guess that are on a similar mission and such, a, especially we're in such a small area vulnerability. You, you mentioned that word, um, someone that, you, you know, people I've known my whole life. I've never really got to learn about or to feel that, that close with because they're not able to let that guard down because the world tells them they're, they're in jeopardy if they do uh, running it, you know, you and a couple of your, you know, a couple of your outlaw, but your hooligan buddies that, <laughs> uh, that, you know, that we, uh spend some time with and, and man they're they're just so real and and on the surface and not worried i think some of it comes from um insecurity would put put that 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 front or that protection that we don't we that we think we need but when that goes away there's so much authenticity and in that zone comes real healing to these things that we've experienced in our lives the the tragedies um Man, just, just sitting here talking with you, I'm going, wow, I've got so many things to work on. I've got so many ideas. I don't know if you see me a few times, my eyes rolling, whoa, <laughs> I gotta think about that when we leave. Well, here.
1: it's the opposite of what we've been taught and thought and in, in, in a in masculine culture of if you really knew what was going on inside of me, you would not like me. You would hate <laughs> me and judge me and you'd be right. Yeah. And the truth yeah. is that if we are vulnerable and 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 walk through this the door of humility and say look here's my junk and I'm trying to figure it out I'm in process and I want to love people anyway despite what I've been through and where I'm at in my journey dude I I'm telling you 10 times out of 10 it's the opposite yeah it's it's I've been received and going on that journey of saying yeah I don't care anymore like my wife and I played church and played all the things and, and we would scream and yell all the way to life group on Wednesday nights and put on our, I call them shiny, happy people. Yeah. And then we'd fight all the way home and hate each other except for on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. And (laughs) when we got our marriage put back together and moved here, we're like, we're not doing that anymore.
0: Let's not pretend.
1: And so every almost every person we've ever had over for dinner, we're like, what's your story? And we'll go first. Here's ours. (laughs) And people are like a little overwhelmed by our vulnerability and honesty, but it's beautiful. Then we have these amazing conversations. So to your point, it's like, I don't know if you just get to our age or whatever it is, but I feel like it is the way forward to be authentically who you are. And, and in community, we get healing from one another, man, me hearing your story. And what you've been through and survived like encourages me to have hope. And you've done that today. I think there's guys out there that have experienced being at the top. Then what, you know, um, whether it's business or whatever, whatever that may, that that may be, um, not giving up
0: Western civilization or, or the world. However, we want to look at that one thing that always tells us from a young age, work, 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 strive to get to the top. Um, you know, we, we forget that if we follow that, I mean, it, 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 unfortunately I don't want to get too, I don't want to get too deep into this zone because it, it's, everybody has their own take on it, but advertising and just ch- corporate chasing the dollar, you know, we always want more. We want the next nicest truck. I mean, gosh, I've got to, <laughs> there's so much more to be done, uh, than there is to earn money. You know, coming up here has given me the opportunity to step away from what I've been trained to do. And what do I want to do? What do I want to do? I want to walk my kids to school. Mm-hmm. I want to go, Come I want to be there. I want to be there at the end of the day when they get home from school or I want to do my, I, wanna, I love math and the way this this new math they've got them doing, I'm not going to mark it off and say, I don't like it. It's different the way I learned it. I want to work with my, with my eight-year-old on her math project. I want to do science experiments with my kids. I want to be there when somebody from my church or my community or my writing group is in the middle of a divorce and has nobody else that they talk to because their Christian brothers are telling them, wow, man, divorce it. You know, you can't divorce. You got to stay for the kids. You got to this or that. And he calls me and I say, dude, I think she's crazy. You should have done this years ago.
1: (laughs) Uh,
0: Is that the right thing to say? Probably not. But it's what's on my heart. You know what I mean? Well,
1: it's the authentic expression of... Hey, let's let's keep it real here. Yeah. It, well it, that's I I think what you're doing, I, I love how you're here, why you're here. I, I'm I'm excited you. to get to see what's next in your journey of being and moving to Emma, Idaho of all places. <laughs> <Right on. laughs> I'm super grateful because um my buddies down the street, Josh and Mike, they really need some direction in their motorcycle ride. I'm afraid without you moving here. Sometimes I think maybe you moved here just for them because God knew that they would die um, at their ability level that they're 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 trying to achieve. No, I'm I'm just kidding. But um, is there any way that people can find you? On social media, a website or anything for these custom rides you're putting
0: together? So the the thing we've been doing is finding a group of guys, finding the the, the need for it and doing like, a, you know, two or three a year Gru- group rides of people that I already know. That's kind of where I've started is mm-hmm. I, I can identify the demand, you know, mm-hmm. Going, hey, you guys need a triple yeah. And and so that's what's been really authentic been about it. It's organic. been really cool because they know who I am. They trust me and then we'll go. Um, now, as we start to do bike rentals and, and, and put these things together, it's really going to have to be from the, from the, the adventure um, rental side where we, we rent them the equipment to do it and turn them loose or what, you know, we, we can't really get out there and, and, uh and guide through the woods like, like um we would before it was a business, but um, ride it out is the name of our, is the name of our company. It's just, it's just ride it out moto. I think on every, on every um, social platform and it's, it's, relatively small um it's way more of a personal relationship based thing at this point jim county motorsports is the name of the shop we're getting to open up and really like just framing up a wall right now section it off brand new exciting hanging sheetrock you know learning learning all that or remembering all those where those aches and pains come from all the years of banging nails but um it's 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 right here. We're right here at the. We are at the base of adventure. I mean, whether we're going, you know, south to the desert in the in the fall and and uh, winter yep. months, or if we're going in the summer, we're going up to the mountains. This is basically the gateway to where all the cool stuff happens, and this community can use it. We've yeah. definitely recognized the demand there for a shop for, a, but also for a place to connect and and. Hey, what's the what's the coolest GPS system to use? What what do I need for the for tires? I'm going to go do this stuff. What's your you know? Here they are. We've got them all in stock. Yeah, that's awesome. And and at that point, if we're not grinding out a living trying to beat the 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 internet uh, retailers and all this other stuff, if we're doing our best to bring the right products and the right equipment to people to go lead these tours and do this stuff, we're in the spot where we can connect with people. And, and where we have expertise and where have, you know, where my connections through the years can maybe pay off sure. a little bit. So we're just, we're just going where we're called is what, well, that's all we're doing, Jeremy.
1: I love it. And thank you so much for coming in today and sharing us your story. I'm, I'm encouraged and it's one full of hope and redemption. And I just look forward to spending more time with you, man, and getting to know Absolutely. you and your, your family more. And again, I just, Thank you so much for uh, coming in today and sharing your story with us, man.
0: Uh, likewise, dude. Everything that you bring up really, really hits home. I love it. So, yeah, thanks again, brother. Thank you.